You're listening to the Word of Life AG Podcast. This is the message from this week's service. If you want to view the full service, including worship, please head to our website at wordoflifeag.org. While there, you can also see what's coming up at the church, or even check out some next steps. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Good morning, Word of Life. It's great to be able to come and be here with you. Uh, so as you would have seen and heard a bunch as we've been talking about it the past few weeks, we have groups starting back up again. Um, we have groups running all different times throughout the year. Um, but there are a number of groups that have started um, you know, this coming week. So Meg and I, our group starts this coming Wednesday. But there's one group in particular that I wanted to draw your attention to because it's something different. Um, it's something new that we're starting and hopefully it's going to take off and go well. Um, there's a great guy in our church, uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Cavell, and he's going to be starting a group that's specifically looking at outreach. And so Kyle's going to be getting together with um, whoever comes and joins and be a part of the group. And they're going to sort of be spending time brainstorming and thinking and planning um, different outreach events and different outreach initiatives that we can be a part of here in Baldwinsville and beyond. So if that's something that is a passion for you, something that you'd like to hear more about, please head to the website, look at the group section, and go ahead and find out more about that. But I wanted to draw particular attention to that because I know that that is a burden that a number of us carry is that we want to be active in the community and we want to be a church that's active in the community. And so this group is one of the ways that we're going to be expressing that. So if that's a big deal for you, and I hope it is for a number of us, go to the website, check that out. Sound like a plan? Alrighty, so uh, we started a few weeks ago looking at the theme for the year. So Megan and I, we uh, years ago now, we kind of thought that, you know, as much as churches will oftentimes spend time in January or February talking about the new year, we kind of realized just by looking at the calendar and the way that life rhythm is, is that really the reset for us is in September. That's when summer's done. That's when, you know, weekends away are over and vacations and, you know, time at camp and, you know, the unpredictability of the summer schedule is kind of comes to an end and you kind of get back into somewhat of a predictable rhythm as the kids get back into school and everything else. And so we kind of figured that this is the best time to present an annual vision for the church. And so what we've done for the past few years is that we've come in September and we've brought a theme for the year. And the theme for this year, for the next 12 months at least, Megan and I believe that we need to be all about continuing what Jesus started. Continuing what Jesus started. We spent time a few weeks ago sort of unpacking this phrase and the idea of, you know, we need to have a confidence and a certainty about who Jesus is. And then we need to have a real understanding and we need to be sharp and, you know, really kind of have a grappling of what it is that he started 2,000 years ago. What is it that Jesus started? And then the question and the challenge for us and churches all over the world is, how do we continue what was started 2,000 years ago? The verse that has kind of been somewhat of an anchor to this whole idea comes from the book of Colossians. So Colossians 1 verse 6, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understand the truth about God's wonderful grace. Jesus, he started a movement. This movement that Jesus started, it was a movement with a message. The movement Jesus started was a movement with different values, a movement with compassion, and a movement with eternal hope. To help expand on the theme of continuing what Jesus started, we're going to revisit the core values that we have here at the church. And if you've been a part of LifePath, or you may have seen it on our website, Word of Life has a list of 10 things that articulate the core values of our church. Now, this list of 10, it's a worthy list. I agree with all that's said, but 10 is a long list. 
It's not necessarily easy to memorize them. Consequently, we don't talk much about them. They're really something we talk about during sermons or during meetings. But having stated core values, it helps us define and articulate the priorities. It helps keep us focused. As a church, there's a number of different things that we could focus on and an infinite number of things we could emphasize. But communicating a, a set of values that helps us remember who we are, how we conduct ourselves, what our mission is, how we're going to fulfill that mission, what our priorities are. But if we're not talking about them because they're too many or they're difficult to remember, that's worth addressing. So Megan and I, we got back to the drawing board and worked with the elders to bring a renewed set of core values. We've thought a lot about this. We've given it careful attention, and we truly believe these new core values maintain the heart and the spirit of what is currently within those values while adding a sense of simplicity and being more concise. The mission statement, if you've been a part of the church, you've heard this many, many times. It's been our mission statement for over 25 years now, is that Word of Life is all about leading individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus. The renewed and updated core values, it gives us a how to fulfill this mission. Leading individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus. The hope is that by renewing and rethinking, revising these core values, it gives us a how. How are we going to fulfill this mission and the vision that we believe the Lord has for this church? Our hope, our prayer, and even our expectation is that if we adopt these core values church-wide and we practice them consistently, we will see this statement come to pass over and over again in the lives of individuals. So the renewed Word of Life core values is firstly, and we talked about this last week, is to embrace the essentials. Embrace the essentials. Second, we're going to commit to stretch. Third, we're going to build the community. And fourthly, we're going to live on mission. And we're going to take a week looking at each of these. Last week, we looked at Embrace the Essentials. And you'll notice that each of these are action-orientated, to embrace, to commit, to build, to live. Now, much of the communication in the church is concerned with correct understanding and learning to think through a biblical perspective and even to change one's attitude to match the heart of God. But these refreshed core values hopefully give some movement and application to much of the theory that we discuss. The hope is that if we embody these values we will see our mission accomplished. In summary, our mission is to lead individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus. We will fulfill our mission both together as a church and individually beyond Sunday when we embrace the essentials, commit to stretch, build the community, and live on mission. So for the next four weeks, we're going to consider our renewed core values in the light of continuing what Jesus started. And to ensure that we're moving forward and faithfully fulfilling the mission and assignment that God has for this church, we're not going to find guidance and inspiration by speculating about what's ahead or chasing a new fad or obsessing on social media to find the new trendy thing, but to faithfully fulfill our call and responsibility. We believe the answer is to look back and to truly understand and continue what Jesus started 2,000 years ago. So today, we're going to look at what it means to commit to stretch. From our mission statement, this is emphasized in that word, become. There's something important that needs to be said before we consider this further. And as we look at this idea of stretching and becoming, I just want to make one simple thing that I believe wholeheartedly, and that's that people can change. People can change. I am 100% convinced of this. People can change their behavior. Attitudes do shift. 
Habits can be broken. Addictions can be overcome. Perspectives can change. Patterns can be altered. Lies can be corrected. Unhealthy thinking can be healed. People who once lived in a chaotic dysfunction can rebuild a life of structure and purpose. I am absolutely convinced that this can happen. There is nothing anyone can tell me that would make me think this isn't possible. And why am I so confident? Why am I so convinced that this kind of life change and transformation is possible? Because I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to set us free, not only in eternity, but also here on earth. He paid the price for our sin and is committed to cleaning us up as we live following him. In the parable of the prodigal son, we read about a son who left his father's house to go and partake in all the pleasure that the world had to offer. He ended up in a pig pen, and he came to his senses and went home. When he arrived home, he was greeted by the father and was lavished with love. The reason I'm mentioning this today is because he healed his relationship with the father, and a part of that healed relationship meant that he got out of the pig pen. The gospel of Jesus means a transformation. It means leaving the old behind. It means pursuing the new and truly living born again. The promise of Jesus is not only that he sets us free, but that he cleans us up. He gets us out of the pig pen and gets rid of the stink. But we resist change. We resist the stretch. We like that Jesus sets us free. We like that our eternity is secure. But we resist him cleaning us up. We resist the work he's wanting to do in our character and our thinking and consequently our habits and actions. The um, Bible plan that we uh, put to the church last week is a 40-day plan that um, is a great way, if you've never read the Bible before, this 40-day plan that we put together. Um, I followed that. I started it last Sunday afternoon. And I read this passage from Colossians as I was following the plan in Colossians 1. And this passage from Colossians is Paul telling the church what he is praying for them. And Paul is not praying so that they would become Christians. This is written to a group of believers who have already taken that step. But this is about the ongoing stretch for a Christian. So this is Paul in Colossians 1.9. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then you will live, the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. Now this is a prayer that, for the followers of Jesus to stretch and grow and mature. It's a helpful starting point as we consider the second core value at Word of Life. That a second core value is to commit to stretch. Commit to stretch. Now, the whole series is somewhat unusual, and every year we say this, the, the Mission, Vision, Culture series is somewhat unusual, um, but it's important that we see that what we're going to talk about today, it's different from a self-help talk. Self-help is very literally self-centered and encouraging self-reliance, but the stretching that is contained in the gospel is different. This verse from Philippians speak to this, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. God is working in you. God is giving you a new desire. God is giving you the power to change. The difference between what we're talking about today and a general feel-good self-help motivational seminar is that the cause, the motive, and the agent of change is God himself. Another verse that emphasizes this, Romans 12:2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you 
into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Who's doing the changing? Who's responsible for the transformation? Let God transform you. God loves us so much that he not only rescues us and restores the broken relationship between God and humanity, but he also loves us so much that he's committed to fixing us up and cleaning us up. It's a true blessing that Jesus taught his followers to approach God as father. There are many times when using the framework of how a parent and child relationship is supposed to go that it helps us understand how we can live in a relationship with God. Now, my kids, they're all about to have their birthdays in the next few weeks. The twins turn 10 this coming Friday, and then Elijah turns 12 next month. And the ways that I'm helping them now that they're 10 and 12 is different from when they were newborns. It's different now from when they were toddlers or kindergartners. And if a parent never teaches their kids or helps their kids, we would all agree that that's negligent. And how we help them, it will be different in a few years when they become teenagers and then they're young adults. But hopefully, my kids will still come to me for help when they're in their 40s and 50s and beyond, just like I still go to my dad. The need to go to the father for help doesn't stop. But hopefully, what we need help with changes as we learn and mature. The need for us to find correction, refinement, adjustment from our heavenly Father will never stop, but hopefully the specifics will change. As it is practical and relationally, it is spiritual. Now, why does this matter? Why should this be on our minds at all? Well, let's look at the verses that we've already read and see what they have to say. Colossians 1.9, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. From Philippians God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. From Romans, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We just heard about doing this, stretching, maturing. It means having a complete knowledge, spiritual wisdom, understanding, knowing how to honor and please the Lord being able to produce every kind of good fruit, to know God better and better, to have endurance and patience, to have the power to do what pleases him. You will know what God's will is for you. And we should also remember the fruit of the Spirit, which of course we spent time looking at all summer long. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's worth noticing that the promise from this ongoing growth and the stretch is not wealth, fame, and glory, but it's a promise of peace. It's the promise of joy. It's the promise to know God's will and to have endurance to faithfully follow him. We're not given the promise of things that would impress our neighbors, but we do have the promise to know God better and better. We do have the promise to know what pleases him. We're not given the promises of success by the world's standards, but we're promised what truly matters, peace with God and each other. As we were thinking about this whole idea and how we were going to articulate this core value, it was important to us that we phrase it as commit to stretch. 
The word stretch, it paints a picture of something increasing. It's in step with our mission statement that means to increasing in our faithfulness and effectiveness. It also speaks to increasing character and maturity and getting stronger at making decisions and exercising wisdom and having a healthier outlook and a better attitude. This person from Philippians said to me this week also, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress each other. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This doesn't come naturally. To have the same attitude as Jesus does not come naturally. To reject being selfish, to not worry about what others think, to be humble, to think as others as better than yourself, to take an interest and concern for others, this doesn't come naturally. The stretch also doesn't shy away from the uncomfortability. Stretching can be difficult and challenging. Stretching implies counteracting resistance. Consequently, it takes a commitment. Not a commitment to go through the motions, but a commitment that your faith is going to be the central and most important part of your life. And if we are committed to the Lordship of Jesus, we are committed to the stretching that he has promised to do in our lives. My friends, life can look very different this time next year. A bad habit that keeps tripping you up can be broken. Attitudes that cause problems in relationships can be softened. A tendency to be chaotic and argumentative can be changed. A temptation that you keep falling for can be defeated. A way of thinking or speaking or acting that dishonors God can be addressed. But it means accepting the challenge. And no one is accepting the challenge unless they believe it's worth it. It's truly worth it, my friends, to have a peace and joy that cannot be shaken. Having a hope that cuts through every season and circumstance of life is worth it. Trusting in the Lordship of Jesus is worth it. And what I would say to you is that to commit to stretch, you have to believe, A, it's possible, and B, it's worth it. To commit to stretch, you have to believe, firstly, that it's possible, that the stretch can happen, and secondly, that it's worth it, that this commitment that's required, the uncomfortability of stretching, it's worth going through this. I mentioned earlier that it's incredibly helpful that we can understand our relationship with God as a father-child relationship, and the author of Hebrews expands on this idea from Hebrews 12. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his children. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father, our spirits, and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Let me read that again. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And we're continuing what Jesus started. And Jesus started a movement with different values. These different values, they don't usually come naturally and are often contrary to the world around us. A part of our church's mission is to become and becoming faithful and effective. 
This becoming, it speaks to change and growth and development and stretching. The gospel of Jesus is a message of transformation and renewing. And consequently, I am 100% that people can change. I believe prodigals can get out of the pig pen. I believe that Jesus has made it possible to repair the broken relationship between God and humanity, and he's also committed to cleaning us up. And this adjustment and the cleaning up is a work that will never finish. From the book of Philippians, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God is the one at work. He's the one cleaning us up and correcting our thinking and addressing our habits. This commitment to stretch is important today and every day, even until we breathe our last and step into eternity or when Jesus returns. We will always have reasons that God is at work in our lives. And he completes this work as a loving father. I've got a few ideas about how to commit to stretch. The first thing I'd say is that commit to stretch with humility. Commit to stretch with humility. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. There's a um, story, I believe I've told the church before, I'm 100% sure this story is completely untrue, but it's a good story nevertheless. There's a small church in uh, a small town in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. And in this small church, there was this one guy, and every week as he was leaving church, he would shake hands with the pastor, and as he was leaving, he would say, Pastor, that was a great sermon. They really needed to hear that. And then the next week, the pastor would preach again, and as he was leaving, he'd shake the pastor's hand and say, Pastor, that was a tough word today, a tough challenge, but man, some of those people really needed that. The horrible irony was is that the guy that was shaking the pastor's hand and saying these things every single week, he needed this more than anyone. And the pastor would persist and try, and this guy every week would just assume, ah, this is for someone else, this is for someone else. And then one day, one winter, there was a snowstorm, and the only person that could make it to church that week was this guy. And the pastor knew, I got him. I'm going to let it rip this week. Oh, boy, we're addressing all Ten Commandments today. And he just went and gave the message. One guy sat there, one guy listening, and he's like, this week he cannot possibly think I'm talking to someone else. This week he surely has to accept the challenge. And as all was wrapped up and they're getting to leave, sure enough, the guy comes up, shakes hands, and says, Pastor, that was fantastic. I just wish they were here to hear it. Neither you nor I will ever get to the point where God's work is finished because we will never be truly perfect. In eternity, we won't have to wrestle with sin and unholiness anymore. It'll be done forever. But until then, my friends, don't be like the guy in the snowstorm. Second thing, commit to stretch with intentionality. Commit to stretch with intentionality. Ephesians 5.10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Now, carefully is key. Carefully speaks of thoughtfulness and prayer and consideration and pondering. As people who have committed to serve God and recognize Jesus as Lord of our lives, what pleases Him should matter more than anything else. It's not a coincidence that what dishonors God and what God calls abhorrent is detrimental and destructive to our lives. It's not easy to figure all this out. It takes time, thoughtfulness, 
It takes wisdom and getting advice from people we trust. My friend, it won't happen by accident. You can't win the World Series by depending on being walked to first base. You can't win the Super Bowl by hoping the other team fumbles. You can't win the World Cup by expecting the other team to score own goals. I know this because it feels like England try every single tournament. This stretch takes intentionality. It takes carefully determining how we can adjust and change and grow and improve. It's carefully determining how our character and conduct doesn't align with God's word or kingdom values. Third thing, commit to stretch with effort. Commit to stretch with effort. Back in Philippians 2, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is God at work. It's his strength that makes the difference. But our cooperation takes effort. Being disciplined takes effort. Thinking about our words and actions and being careful about our words and actions takes effort. Catching ourselves when an attitude or a mindset goes to a place that you're trying to get away from takes effort. Obeying God with a deep reverence and fear, as we just read, it takes effort. Trying to run away from the things that you know God is challenging you about takes effort. Our resistance and refusal to cooperate, it grinds things to a halt. And we all understand this. If you can imagine, um, if you're a parent and you're trying to find a new pediatrician, and you have a choice between two doctors, they both graduated medical school 30 years ago, One of them has stayed up to date with the latest medical research and invested in the latest equipment and regularly meets with other physicians to discuss best practices. Or the other one, he still has the stethoscope that his parents gave him the day he graduated. He hasn't read a medical journal since leaving college and he has a jar of leeches on his desk. Who are you choosing to be your children's pediatrician? you're clearly choosing the doctor who has made an effort to stretch and improve and grow. God is at work. Our cooperation is necessary. Our cooperation takes effort. The fourth thing I put to you is commit to stretch with courage. Commit to stretch with courage. When the book of Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Be strong and very courageous. Courage, of course, means doing something knowing that it's intimidating or uncomfortable. It takes courage to admit you're wrong. It takes courage to stand alone. It takes courage to read the Bible and receive what it says as a personal challenge. It takes courage to resist drifting with the crowd or to live in a different way and experience the unknown from what you've always known. It takes courage to go from one way of living to another way of living. But what I've observed and seen over and over again is that courage precedes victory. Courage precedes victory. If you're in a mess because of your own mistakes or your own decisions, whether it was foolishness or sinfulness or bad timing or something accidental, my friend, have the courage to climb out of the mess you've made. If you're down because of the way others have acted, if you've been treated unfairly or you've been hurt or victimized, 
please believe that this is not the final chapter. There is more to live for. God's promises are still at work in your life. If you have been knocked down, get back up. Have the courage to start rebuilding. Have the courage to take the first step. I know it's not easy. That's why it takes courage. But courage precedes victory. If humility, intentionality, effort, and courage, if those qualities, those elements are important to bring about change and transformation, then I'm going to assume that the opposite is what keeps us stuck. And what's the opposite of humility and intentionality, effort, and courage? Well, I would say pride, passivity, indifference, timidity. When we're prideful, we're not open to change. When we're ruled by pride, we're like the guy in the snowstorm that assumes it's everyone else. When we're passive, we're just letting life pass by. Our faith is not driving any change. When we're indifferent, it's maybe tomorrow will be different, maybe it'll be the same. When we're ruled by timidity, we're not bold enough to stand up and embrace the stretch that God is trying to do in our lives. Instead, we're just staying exactly where we are. My friends, commit to stretch with humility, intentionality, effort, and courage. A great example I've seen of this is a um, friend of mine from New Jersey. And uh, this guy, he's probably about 6'5". I'm 6'2", so if ever I meet someone that's taller than me, it's strange. Like, it's not often I have to look up. So, big guy, big bear of a guy. And every time I saw him, he wasn't a handshaker. He was a hugger. So, he came up and gave me a great big hug. And we just became good friends with the guy. And one day, I sort of was able to chance to catch up for lunch with him. And he sat across the table from me. And he said, uh, have I ever told you how I became a Christian? I know, I haven't heard this. And he went on to tell me, and like, he just dropped on me. He's like, well, you know, I was awaiting trial for being a drug dealer. I was like, what? And the reason I was so shocked was because I'd never known that side of him. I'd only known him as he'd been a believer for a number of years, and he'd committed to the stretch, and he'd undone a lot of the anger, and he'd undone a lot of the, the, the violence that he had raging inside of him, and you know, he'd already been through prison and got out the other side, and he was now rebuilding his life you know, as, as a, someone who had been a convicted felon. He's now on the other side of this, and he was rebuilding his life. So that's all I'd known. I had no idea that he was heavily violent. I had no idea that him and his brothers had a reputation all around South Jersey for being violent criminals. No idea. Because the man in front of me wasn't that anymore. I've seen this in action. As this guy told me, this is my history, this is my testimony, I struggled to believe it because it was so far from the gentle, kind, loving man sat in front of me. This time next year, Things can look very similar to how they are right now, but they could also look really different. Those things that are tripping you up, those habits that you don't like, those reasons that constantly arguments flare up in your house, they can be addressed. They can be worked through. God can get busy doing a work in your heart and your life. Those reasons you constantly find yourself frustrated and angry at yourself. A lot can happen in a year. If you feel that you're constantly the victim, if you're constantly the one that's having a tough time, you can never catch a break, you can never hold down a job, it can change. 
If you feel that you've got nothing to offer the world, that you're just drifting through life, that can change. You can find a sense of purpose and live different in a year. If you're lost and trapped in an addiction, you don't have to. There is help available. It's not going to be easy, but my friend, it is worth it. If you have been following unhealthy ways of thinking and unhealthy attitude through life for years, and you've been going for so long that you've convinced yourself that it's normal and everyone else is the problem, it doesn't have to stay that way if when the challenge comes, you rise to the challenge and you let the Holy Spirit do a work in your heart. You don't have to be ashamed of that habit you just can't shake off anymore. My friend, there is freedom. I believe this because I believe the gospel of Jesus. And please, don't assume that this is for someone else. Don't be like our friend at the Snowden Church. Something that I thought of as I was getting my ideas down on paper ready for today is, I sort of even started to wonder is, what would you want God to change in your life today if only he would do it instantly with a snap of the fingers? Like if God would change it with a snap of the fingers, what is the thing? Maybe you've got 10 things, maybe you've got nothing, I don't know, but what is that thing that if you could just, I would want God to change that. What is it? If you would want God to change it in a moment, isn't it also worthwhile to see God change it over the course of the next 12 months? If it's holding you back, if it's ruining, if it's robbing you of God's promises in your life, if it's robbing you of peace, if it's robbing you of joy, if it's fracturing relationships, isn't it worth seeing God dig it up and get it out of your life? Ephesians 5.10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Carefully determine what God is challenging in your life, where he's looking to stretch. And how do we determine? How do we discover what pleases God? How do we carefully grow in our understanding as we've been reading today? Well, I'll point back to what we talked about last week. The Word of Life core values, number one, embrace the essentials. By way of reminder, those essentials, the Bible, get in the Bible, see what it has to say, see what it has to say about how much God loves you and how we can love other people. Spend time in worship, recenter your soul in times of worship, declare how great He is. Spend time in prayer, lifting up our cares, concerns, worries to Him. In moments of prayer, declaring His goodness and then fellowship build relationships with each other. Find friends that share your faith. Find friends that you trust want God's best for you. And here's another thing. Be in church. I'm glad we have church online for those who are traveling or unable to be a part of service, but there's something special about being in church, the togetherness. I would also say it's harder to ignore the challenge when you're all in the room together and worshiping together. Let people know what you're working through. When you let someone know about the stretch you're committed to, the accountability is a blessing, not a curse. I find for myself that writing down what I'm working towards helps me. Even revisiting what I've written can help keep me, you know, whatever I'm hoping to stretch, and it can keep me focused and in the front of my mind. When you feel a challenge from the Lord to stretch, don't ignore it. The alternative to committing to stretch is being stuck where you are. Or even worse, regressing backwards. But as I stand here today, 
I am 100% convinced that people can change. I've seen it countless times in the lives of others. I've seen it within my own life. I've seen a transformation from where I was to where I am. In my own life, there have been big, obvious changes that have happened, and there's been more subtle and specific fine-tuning. And I fully expect the challenge and stretch to continue for the rest of my life. For all of us, we should reconcile with the fact that none of us are perfect and we never will be. Consequently, the stretching and the growing and the maturing will never end. But to commit to stretch, you have to believe firstly that it's possible and secondly that it's worth it because the nature of stretching is uncomfortable. It takes commitment and it takes a resolve. The outcome is not the promise of fame or riches or glorious success, but the promise is that we can know the will of God. We can live with peace and joy. We can live in a healed and restored relationship with the Father. The promise is that we can abandon sin and sidestep all the pain and devastation that sin inevitably brings. This stretching, the transformation and growth and maturity that we can see in the verses that we've read today is achieved by welcoming the work of the Holy Spirit. The kind of stretching that we're invited to be a part of happens when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, when we accept His challenge and His instruction. We're open to the challenge from the Scriptures. In the light of who Jesus is, it changes how we perceive the world around us. There is story after story in the New Testament of people who met Jesus and they were never the same. We are joining a fine legacy of believers as we leave behind the old and unholy and welcome the new and good and the noble and the worthwhile and the meaningful. And of course, this stretching, it's not comfortable, it's not easy, and it's not instantaneous, but it's worth it. It's worth the commitment and the diligence and the time. Committing to stretch takes humility, takes intentionality, takes effort, takes courage. The word of life, our core value, number two, commit to stretch. I have a couple of questions for you. Perhaps you're in the habit of writing these down and spending time in the week praying about these or thinking about these and perhaps talking about it with someone. But the first question I put to you is do you believe the stretch is possible or worth it? Do you believe the stretch is possible or worth it? Second question I put to you is what does commitment to stretch mean for you? What does commitment to stretch mean for you? for your life and what you believe the Lord's challenging you in, for what you believe life could be like in 12 months' time. What does this stretch mean for you? What does this commitment to stretch mean for you? I invite you to stand. I'm going to read that passage from Colossians once more. Colossians 1.9, we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then you will, you will live, will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with all His glorious power so you will ha all have the endurance and patience you need. Lord, I pray that in this moment, as you spend time declaring your goodness, declaring your wonder, the Lord, that each of us would feel that weight of the challenge to commit to stretch, to know you more. Lord, in the words of John the Baptist, that you would increase and we would decrease. Our priorities, our values, our opinions, all that would shrink. But your ways are 
that are higher than ours, they would grow in our lives. They would shine out of our lives. Well, Lord, as we commit to stretch, that we will see you do a great work in our hearts and our minds as you lovingly transform us to be more and more like the people you created us to be. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We honor you. We worship you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everyone. Let's spend some time in worship together.